That's how I hang up on you. And I said I wasn't going to cuss. Brooke, that was amazing. I'd be like, uh, excuse me, let's go take him down right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just started saying I wasn't going to say the F word. It's my favorite word. And I'm trying so hard not to say it anymore. But the role called for it. Welcome to Unshut, a place where if at any point you feel like you need to shut the f*** up, Hi, Brooke. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Happy Monday. Yes. Happy Monday to you, too. Is your day going good? It's going so good. I know you've had a pretty busy one as well. Yeah, it's so funny. This um, this guy named Lee Ritchie from a... Um, let me make this... All, my husband had it all set up all white. And I was like, I messed up his artistic direction. This uh, radio guy that I met in like 2015 named Lee Ritchie. He's got a couple um radio stations called like Kicking Country or something. He was like, oh, I heard Boomerang. Do you want to do you know, and I don't really do any interviews like this anymore, you know, but I was like, you know what, whatever, I might as well let the world know I'm alive, not in a bunker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think everyone knows that I think everyone knows that you're still doing your thing. So yeah, I'm just like, whatever, if you like it, like it, if you don't leave me alone, I I really don't care. (laughs) Dude, that's been my like my attitude since starting the podcast too. And I think like the best outcomes come from that attitude, because you start doing shit without any pressure, you know, right? Yeah. And also too, it's nice, because I've got my design business in Nashville, like, married. I don't really need to be dating. I'm like, I'm, I got my business. I'm good. Like I can stay quiet if I want to. I can, you know, aside from waiting tables, music is really the only thing I've done. So it's like, I didn't go to college. (laughs) So like it's music or figure something else out. So thank God for the design business. 100%. That was totally me too. Like no college, but I retired from choreography and, you know, I was like, I took some different business ventures as well. And that's given me the opportunity to be able to podcast now, but that was totally my attitude too. I'm like, you know what? It's no longer an obligation. I'm just going to do it. Have fun with it. If people like it good, if they don't, who cares? Thank God. Cause it was getting to be too hard. It was like, and don't, don't even make a mistake. The decorating is hard, but it's at least like chunks of hard. Like I have like time off and then I go and do a couple of houses and then I have time off, do a couple of houses. So it's nice to be able to like control my schedule. You get burnout when you do stuff for too long, even down to like, you said like with choreography and stuff, like you retired from choreography. I haven't like consistently worked out in like five years. And I keep telling my husband, I'm like, we should go to the gym. We should go to the gym. Cause it's just good for you to get something. And I'm like, you know, some days I'm like, I should work out every day, even if it's something little. And then other days I'm like, I don't ever need to work out again because I don't have anybody controlling me. I'm like, I don't want to. So I'm like stuck between treat yourself and like be responsible. Hell yeah. When's <laughs> yeah. the last time you took like a hip hop class or anything like that? Oh my God. I can't even tell you, honestly. And the last time I think I, oh, you know what's funny? I had a single called Better and we ended up trying to shoot a video for it. It was just not a good experience, actually. Like I was just really, there was a lot of family crap going on and just my head was not in the game. But that was probably the last time I was in like rehearsals and stuff. And I will say, if you're not doing it consistently, your brain just doesn't connect like the eight counts. You're like, wait, what's next? You know, the next one comes up and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, I do miss dance though. There's a couple places around here that I was just even thinking about going even for like ballroom and stuff. Cause I've tried like all kinds of dance. I've done everything from belly dancing to, you know, foxtrot and tango and stuff, but it's nice to have a little bit of that background because then you're not a total goof on the dance floor. 
gives you a little bit of rhythm, but I do, I miss dance a lot. I miss just having creative outlets. I think that was like the best thing for me too, when I got out of the industry and started to pursue other things. And I went back into taking a class. I went into a class thinking like, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I'm like, I've won awards for this. I used to travel the Mm -hmm. world for this. I'm like, this is going to be easy. No, I was like up against little 12 year olds who were like doing it better than I was. I'm like, that was humbling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I saw a video of Mario Lopez was with his wife dancing like in their hallway and I was so surprised at how good he was and the dance was so cute like the dances now that the kids are doing are just so like kind of like little jigs but it's like just a vibe my biggest thing is I'm like I want to learn how to shuffle like I'm really picturing like yes that's going to be me a professional shuffler (laughs) same and I'm actually really bad like I have no coordination for it I don't understand it I've tried to figure out the like thing that's like switching your legs like that but I don't understand like the up because it, it feels like it would be the running man. Right. But it's like one extra scoot. So it's not with, it's not like, bunk, dun, 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 uh, uh, it's not like the shuffle with it. There's like an extra third in there. It's weird. I love it. it I'm I'm just so like, I can't stop smiling because I'm like totally fangirling right now. And I'm like, oh. keep your shit together, Mo. Keep it together. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> it's so funny because fame has never like been my thing. I've never gotten off on it. I've always been like, I always joke, I'm like an alien or like higher realm. Like I've never really felt like just in that, that fame mode, but it's so funny sometimes when I get recognized. Um, and, and it's mostly my voice that people recognize. Cause I guess I look different. Everybody's like, she's had plastic surgery. I'm like, aside from a little bit of Botox, like this is just age, baby. You just lose your like baby fat here. And then you start getting jowls here. I don't even want to show you people pop their head out around like a CVS thing. And they're like, I know that voice. I'm like, I should be doing voiceovers. You should. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's cool. People are like, oh my God, I grew up with you. Some lady, we were in Curacao. She was one of like the heads of sandals or something. We were like riding bikes through the, we finally went on our honeymoon after being married in almost two years. And uh, and she was like, oh my God, are you Brooke Hogan? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh my God, I grew up with you. And my response was, thank God you look young because then that at least means I'm a little bit young because shoot, when people start telling you that they grew up with like watching you, you're like, what is this cheers? Like, how old am I? No, I know for me, actually, I had a funny story for you because so I learned English when I moved to the US. I was originally born in Guatemala. You're and, doing great. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> and it's so funny because even as a teenager, once I'm like blue in his shit, right? Like I'm, I spoke English for so many years and I remember watching your show. I was watching Hogan Knows Best. And I remember because even now at 34, there's still a lot of things that take me a minute to kind of understand. But right, I remember yeah. very vividly there was something on the show when you were playing the piano or something and someone was like, she is more than a triple threat because she can dance, sing, act, she can play instruments. And I remember learning what a triple threat meant because in my teenage years, I'm like, what, what is a triple threat? Like, I don't understand that saying. And so this is why this is so special to me because you were the first triple threat I knew. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I I wonder, did you ever hear any of the music that I recorded in Spanish? I did. Yeah. Yeah. We've got another one too, that I just did called Baila. That's really cool. It's like about forbidden love. <laughs> it's really cool, but it's like kind of Spanglish. Like some of it is in English and some of it's in Spanish and it's kind of, it's kind of neat. It's like, I was picturing like dirty dancing Havana night. So I do have like pop in the reserve still. I just haven't released it yet. Any chance we'll ever get it? Oh yeah. 100%. I have hundreds of songs that are produced, mastered, recorded, like that have just been sitting on the shelves because, you know, it's, first of all, it's, it takes a lot to get all the permissions from songwriters and publishers. And it's like, you have to get everybody to sign off. 
with the iPhone erasing things every couple months, you're like, God, I don't have his number anymore. You got to like search the keywords of like the last thing you remember talking about to get everybody's contact and get everybody on board and get all the legal things. It's like, you can't just release music, at least the music I've done in the past, because it was such a formal process. Now people kind of just record in their own house. They don't really owe anybody anything, but the stuff that I am sitting on, you know, a lot of people contributed to it. So it's a, it's a massive process to try to, you know, go through the, the ringer, but, um, this country stuff that I'm releasing now is kind of the product of my 12 years of living in Nashville and good music is good music. I think it's good, but I do really, do really love the pop too. So, and Miami was like a huge, huge part of me. I think probably the biggest influence on my life. I still love going down to Miami. I split my time now between Florida and Nashville. Cause I just I need that little, that little thing, you know, that little edge makes me feel young. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and I think that's what always made me love you even more because I think my entire life, and I've talked about just so many artists that I feel like they weren't necessarily placed in a category because of the way they looked. And I remember very specifically with your music, it was very pop and R&B, but because Mm -hmm. you're a white girl, everyone was like, oh, it's pop music. And it's like, hold up. I'm like, it's it's very R&B influenced. And so what do you have to say about that? Like, was that something you remember vividly back then? where you were like, I'm not just a pop girly. I'm also like R&B influenced and all the good stuff. Well, back in the day before, you know, everything was just so racially charged and everything was so political and everybody was so sensitive. It was like a badge of honor to be called like a white Sierra. Like she's a white girl that does, you know, R&B and stuff. So I was like, that's what's up. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I just, I grew up on that though. You know, my mom was a huge, I mean, all she listened to was basically black music, funk, Teddy Pendergrass, Luther Vandross, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Gap Band. That was kind of her thing. My dad was was more kind of like rock and funk. And then I just loved, I just was drawn to like Alicia Keys and Avant, Brian McKnight, stuff like that. Brandy was a big one that I loved. So that was just kind of what I liked. I didn't know why I liked it. I just liked it. And really, when I listen to the stuff now, I'm like, it's just the melodies. It's just, there is just something about however that little string of culture however that musicality whatever makes that little speck of gold so special in that kind of music is just what i just love you know and there's a lot of there's a lot of white people doing it now too that have kind of you know that are now copying and finding that they have those same riffs and those same things you know that they can do vocally but back in the day man it was that r&b music man it was that baby making music (laughs) it was but and that's what makes it so iconic too because that's why i feel like records like that are so timeless and i'm like here we are what 18 years later and we're about to talk about that album girl so it's like you know 18 years later it's like that's what makes it timeless Yeah, it's so funny, too, because there was music I did outside of the Scott Storch album. And I have actually never I don't think I've ever really talked about this publicly, but I was really not a fan of that album. It was crazy because I was the first artist signed to Storch's label. But it was like I would walk in there and there would already be a beat made. There was no collaboration on my behalf. I would try to push to write a little bit. The best experience, the best part of that experience was working with Pooh Bear. He was so unbelievably talented. I don't even think I was vocally or mentally ready for what he threw at me. But you know, it was just, it seemed like the beats were not really custom tailored. It wasn't, you know, it was just like, here's a beat, go in the other room and sing what he tells you to sing. So a lot of it was out of my key range. There was a timeline to get it done. And I was probably, I don't know, 18 or something at the time. And you're still a baby when you're 18. And I mean, Scott, God love him. He'd roll into the studio at two, three in the morning. And I was told to be in the studio at like 
8 p.m., which was already like, I'm yawning. I'm becoming a pumpkin at this point. So just trying to stay awake on the studio couches. And then you got to go sing until seven in the morning or eight in the morning. I just remember like driving back and seeing the sunrise and just that was kind of par for the course back then. It was like what made it cool. But I was also still, you know, having my other life of filming. It wasn't even school. I had to graduate school early just to be able to do everything. But the camera crew would show up right at 9am. And I just remember, I remember this one particular day being so tired. I felt like I literally wasn't going to be able to pick my head up. And I just, it felt like my eyeballs were going to fall through my skull. And the producers coming in and being like, please, like, we've got all your scenes at the beginning of the day. Let's just knock them out. And they were so nice. The producers of Work Knows Best and Hogan Knows Best were such great humans. But it was, oh my gosh, it was a rough time. So I was not, when I listened to those songs, I'm like, oh, my voice sounds tin canny. I didn't know what I needed in my ears. You know, so I would just have them jack my vocal up and everything else was washed out. And I was just hitting that threshold and blowing out the mic. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't my best work. But there was, uh, there's a lot of other stuff that I do love that I want to release. And I'm way more proud of, so. <laughs> Do you feel like that's why you're so excited to continue to put music out now in this time of your life? Obviously, the excitement's there, right? You're 18 living your dream, but you're in more control. Like you're in full control of how it's going to go, what it's going to sound like. Do you think mm -hmm. that is a good like reason why you're so excited to keep putting stuff out now? You know what? I think now I'm at this point where, like you said, like we just don't care anymore. And it's like... There are music fans and people that always talk about like, please release the music. And I know I'm not Mariah Carey. I know that. I'm not trying to be Mariah Carey, you know, but there's certain stuff that, you know, I realized some music, even if I wasn't the biggest fan of the song that came out or whatever it was, a lot of people came to me. and was like, man, when I was, you know, going through stuff, that song really helped me. And I was like, you never know who you're going to help. You never know how it's going to impact somebody. And, you know, I just know my heart is pure and everything I've made came from my soul, you know, the stuff that I'm proud of and the stuff that I want to release. So, you know, some of it might be a little bit dated. Sometimes you can't go back and get the files to remix it or do anything. So a lot of it might sound like it's, you know, coming off a of Napster at this point. The newer stuff is really cool. And it's, it's strange too. It's like, they always say, you know, you get fought the hardest when you're closest to a breakthrough. And it's like, Every time with my music, there was always something. So like with Lou Pearlman doing great, everything to me was released. You know, they're getting ready to do the second single and Lou goes to jail for like biggest money laundering case in the history of the state of Florida, right? So Transcontinental completely collapses. My mom was brilliant. We were getting ready for the Grammys one year and the ticker across the news was like, Britney Spears fires longtime manager Larry Rudolph. And she's like, we got to call him. So I went, he listened to some of my music that I had done and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign her. I'll, I'll work with her, you know? He needed kind of like his new thing. And that was like the best chance ever. And like three, four songs into us working together, Brittany calls him back. She's coming out with Gimme More. So, so um, you know, still awesome experience. So cool. And then, uh, you know, Sobe Entertainment, that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Cecil Barker and uh, Stax at the time, aka Unique Barker, they were just two wonderful souls. I think, unfortunately, mixed into a very wrong time with my family. <laughs> a lot of stuff that I did not know was going on. The surface of the water looked one way and there was a lot of... Uh, undercurrent. And that was just unfortunate because I, and my husband knows the whole story too. He's sitting right here with me. You know, that was at my time, that was the love of my life. And I was able to do music with him and we were just having so much fun. And, and the music was just turning out so good. And we were just rocking the free world. And it just came crashing down in such a horrible, unfair, cruel way. I think the media knows how it all went down one way, but it was just it was so much more, so much more. If you think there's Netflix stories on like, 
certain groups of people and stuff and it's you know a tangled web of lies just insert that format on top of my life you know and I've always said you know I'll keep it classy I'm not here to like sling mud or you know get down in the mud with pigs because the pigs like it and you get dirty it was just not not a good time it was horrendous to be quite honest and it just that was just so terrible how it ended because we had so much music that we had stacked up and so much like such good times and just it was really going so well and I, I really do believe that Cecil who owned Sobe Entertainment and his son Stax that I was dating at the time they really believed in the music and they were really supportive and really great to work with and I still absolutely adore them but that didn't really work out so well and then cut to just tons of drama and then you know I moved to Nashville and that was interesting you know I was a little bit older dated a couple of the wrong guys that just you know that distracts you it hurts your heart you're just kind of not yourself and then more family drama and then went to uh, Boston recently to work with one of my longtime friends Jared who owns Surefire Records and god he did a couple songs on some of the Sobe album he had a song on um, Undiscovered and on Redemption and we went back my husband went with me we went to Boston we spent like two weeks up there we worked with this whole team I mean it was just phenomenal thank god we've got so many like videos of that time in the studio and we come back here to Florida I talked to him the day before about the release and then the next day he passed away. And I'm like, first of all, horrible situation. And then how does this just get every single time we get a little bit further, it's like something else. So I just started saying, you know what, to honor the people that I've worked with, to honor myself, to honor just the process of life that I've been through. I'm just going to start releasing stuff, whether people like it or not. Don't listen to it if you don't like it. But this is just for the fans that have followed me in my journey and feel like they've grown up with me. So well, and I feel like that's why I'm a firm believer that that is where true success comes out of it, because it's the way you handle all of that with such grace. And, you know, something I had on here to talk about a little bit towards the end, but I'm just going to knock it out of the way now. But <laughs> just it's rip the bandaid off. <laughs> exactly. Just rip it off is you have handled the adversity that came with the last name so gracefully, in my opinion. And even for people that aren't in the entertainment business, right, we all sometimes live with this, you know, stigma of a last name that, it, you know, whatever it comes with, whether you've got family members that are in and out of jail, drug addicts, whatever, you know, I mean, I know when I became a U.S. citizen, I dropped my biological father's last name and changed my last name. So I definitely know what it's like to have a tie to a last name that you're kind of like, you know, it, it comes with baggage, right? And mm -hmm. I feel like for the people that truly do support you beyond your artistry, people that have really been able to see how you handle that adversity, I think it's so inspirational. What is something Brooke does for Brooke to remind herself that Hogan comes with baggage? Hogan is a very powerful name, but at the end of the day, you're still Brooke. You know what? has been my biggest thing and a lot of people are like how did you not no offense to anybody that does do drugs I'm sure they're fantastic but I just never had the desire I don't mean fantastic like I'm sure the experience when you do them is like something else but uh, <laughs> don't get hooked on them don't do <laughs> try not to do them. I just never really had the desire to um I just always felt like connected to something higher and I've definitely been in such high drama high stress phases in my life that it's funny Ashley from Brooke Knows Best works with me now at BB Designs and she always jokes she's like oh yeah that was the decade you blacked out for your life because when you really do have so much trauma and so much stress and so much abuse it just absolutely like wrecks you and you like I can't remember parts of my life not because I was high or anything just because it was just so much stress I told somebody the other day you know the name Hogan has been positively recognized and very negatively recognized from coming out of the womb 
Japanese newspapers were saying that my name was Brooke Hogan. I did not have a choice in that. A lot of people give me help and they're like, well, drop the name. I'm like, you try emailing Instagram meta and say, hey, can I change my 400,000 people following and change my last name to a handle that I don't own? It's impossible to get hold of anybody at Facebook. I don't know if anybody's tried, but it's impossible. And it's not like if you're, you know, semi-famous, it's easier. I mean, there's just no humans, I believe, that work at Facebook. So it's really impossible. It's, it's hard. It's a double-edged sword. I always tell people when they say, oh, we watched your dad or, you know, I'm so glad that they had a positive experience and that that created a positive impact for their life. You know, that's, it's almost like, you know, everybody has their personal life. And I was talking about the recent Taylor Swift football thing, her chugging the beer. She can do whatever she wants. She's talented. She's successful. She's whatever. As I've gotten older, you know, and I did my fair share of promiscuous music and clubbing and whatever, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of reeled it in because with great power comes great responsibility. And you start to realize how many little eyes are on you, whether you have your kids or not my friends are having kids. They copy everything you say and do. And when you really realize that the youth is, is the future, you start caring a little bit more about what you're showing them. There's been stuff with my family that's been really, really, really hard to get through. And I haven't separated myself because I'm just like, oh, if they're going to go through hard times, then I'm just going to distance myself. There's a personal thing there that I have to draw a boundary at some point. It infuriates people. That's where their respect for you ends when they get mad at the boundary that you draw. So, you know, unfortunately, I just have to kind of stay in my own lane and stay positive and, and there's no use in getting in the in the mud because <laughs> the pig likes it and you get dirty is my saying but you know there's there's just a lot of stuff you know there's been a lot of controversy and I just go into stuff so or I used to go into stuff so just like the saying is like fat dumb and happy just blind you know like oh don't worry I'll protect you I'll rep you know I'll cover for you that covering for people and defending people when I was not told the whole story you know there were times where I was like wow I really look like an idiot thanks for that like I'm sitting here trying to protect you and you don't even care about how it makes me look so you know I'm being very vague but it's just, it's just been a lot of BS that I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do any of it anymore. You guys do your thing. I'll do mine. After so much stress, it's just nice to wake up in my house with my husband and it's just quiet and the birds are chirping. And I'm like, I would have never thought that I would be with the love of my life in my house, like beautiful, sunny day. Like everything is okay. <laughs> it's hard though, because when you have family members that have the power of social media and you know, it's not like, so a normal person can just draw a boundary, block somebody, whatever. But, you know, you get people that are semi-toxic or whatever it's going to be, and they are not happy with you. And they also have the power of, I have a megaphone to the world. Let me just say everything I want to say, even if it's not true. So that's, that's just really hard to deal with. And it's like, I almost have to just be like out of sight, out of mind. Like it's irrelevant. Like when you're on one dimension and you're living your life and you're being good and you're sticking with God and you're doing the right things. I've never really felt the need to, to kind of come back around. I've never really felt the need to out anybody or make it even because God has done that over and over and over for me. So whether it's indirectly or directly or behind the scenes or publicly, it's like, I let him fight my battles. I'm good. And if it never comes out and if it, if it does, whatever, that's not for me to decide. You know, well, I always, the gap. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 I'm you're talking. fine. Like, I'm a talking head. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love it. I just think that that is truly what speaks to your foundation. And I think this is a really good message to put out there that that foundation is so important to keep because going back to facing adversity, I know for me, my intention in wanting to have you on was because one, I want to make this fun for you. I want to shed a different light and share it with the world because I feel like there are so many 
media outlets out there that are like, Brooke, tell us about this. Or let's talk about your dad. Let's do this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a lemming. I don't want to follow <laughs> that trend. I'm like, I'm getting organically getting really good streams on Spotify. And I'm like, I want to do something good with it. I want people to come on and feel at home, feel comfortable and know that there's a different intention. Listen, you're Brooke fucking Hogan. If people want to know some tea, if people want to know what people are saying about you, that's what other networks are for. This is not it. I'm like, (laughs) it's so weird to just even hear that name. I'm like, we refer to that person. We're like, oh yeah, that Brooke Hogan. Like when we do the Brooke Hogan website, this is what we're going to put on it. In the meantime, like we need to focus on like BB designs and like our clients that we have. It's just such a far-fetched thing now, but it's so funny hearing you say it. And thank you. That's really nice of you. Of course. Well, and I didn't want to like call you by your married last name because first of all, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm like- It was so respectful how you wrote the email too. I was like, oh my gosh. I go, babe, somebody for the first time used my last name, my real last name now. Um, It's Alexi. So you would think it would be Oleski. Like it's, it's Polish, but normally you'd say Alaski, but it's Alexi. And I always try to tell people like Alex or like, oh, Lex get married. Like, Alexi. It's like, it's hard. It's backwards. And when I first met him, I was embarrassed because I, I'm supposed to be like his girlfriend at the time. And I don't even know how to say his last name. So it was uh, something to get used to for sure. I like that. Well, you're Brooke fucking Alexi. Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I mean, that's that's not by coincidence that you're having like great streams and stuff. The, uh, the other thing I always say, you know, people don't give fans enough credit. They don't give viewers. I don't even, it's hard to even refer to people as fans because they're individuals that are making a choice to watch you or to see what you're up to. It's like, these are, are smart human beings and people are not stupid. You can't forget, you know, some people not so in tune, but as this consciousness is rising, people are getting more in touch with their gut instinct and they're looking through the screen and they're seeing people's souls. And I think that's a lot of, you know, people are kind of seeing bad negative messaging in our media it's all you know and sometimes it can be conspiracy-ish or whatever but a lot of people are starting to pay attention of like wow like i'm watching a disney movie and instead of it saying santa it really says satan holy crap that's crazy you know it's like once you start paying attention my husband always says he's like now that i pay attention to it he's like it's everywhere and you know we're not like oh conspiracy theorists whatever you know like i watched leave the world behind i was like Okay, I think it's going to be a lot worse if that ever happens. But you know, it really matters which celebrities you choose to follow. And and I always say like, guard your gates is something and I'm not like a Bible thumper. But you know, I'm a big God girl. And one of the messages in the Bible is guard your gates. I need to guard what comes out of my mouth because the F word is my favorite word. And I try not to say that. Yeah, you know, that's like my favorite. And especially being married to a hockey player now, it's all they say. These nice Canadians are like, oh, hey, you want to go on the F and I say? I'm like, oh my gosh, it sounds so nice when you say it. But when I say it, it's unbecoming. But it's like, guard what you watch, guard what you listen to, because all of those things are, are really it's got energy and it's carrying weight, you know? So as much, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying as much as I can to be better every day. (laughs) And I love it. And that is the reason why I wrote you to have you on because there was a post you made. To me, it was so important to see that I'm like, man, someone who's faced adversity since we were teenagers, they're still doing something good with it. And they're still at the end of the day, you are proof, in my opinion, that you can be a part of the secular world, that you can be in both, but that foundation is so important. And so there was a post you had made and I can't quote you and I can't quote the post but I remember Mm. just like going back and looking at like artists from when I was a teenager that I wanted to invite on that I'm like I've got to see if I can connect with them I came across yours and I saw a post and I'm like gotta get her 
Gotta, gotta reach out. It's so funny too, because I do get quite a few requests and it's just, I'm just not in that. I like being private, you know, I like not having to put on makeup and get dressed and, you know, yeah. be broken. But your email is just so endearing and so kind. And I actually was like laying in bed. I was like, oh my God, babe, like, look at this email that this guy wrote. It was so nice, you know? So I could just feel your vibes. Through. And then I saw some of the links that you sent and I was like, what a nice guy. So I'm being very selective about what I want to do and who I want to talk to and who I want to support in it. You actually said something that just clicked with me. I don't know what it was, but you just you just said it and it kind of changed something in my mind where instead of releasing music for me or instead of doing a TV show, you know, it's like I am just kind of doing it not to sound again like a Bible thumper because I'm not going to sit there and be to the point where it like, I think when people see somebody get too far into it, it can almost turn people off. You know, it's like you can, all you can do is plant the seed and hope that, you know, you're a good influence and that people like, you know what, that actually, like, I feel like getting closer to Christ now, too. But who was the athlete, babe, that said glory to God at the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes. You know, you're watching Taylor Swift, and you're watching her boyfriend, you're watching all this stuff. But the first thing that kid said when he got on the mic was he was like, I do it all for the glory of God. And it's like, when you realize that you're doing it for a higher power, you know, and God being the main thing, but when you realize you're doing it to help people, to be a good influence on kids, to, you know, try to something positive in the world even if you're not promoting anything even if you're not saying something about god or even if you're not trying to be a great influence on kids just being positive because there's so much negativity in the world and being honest about like this is right this is wrong i told again the last guy i was on the interview with i'm not old school in a bad way but i'm old school in the sense that i believe in acting right you know be a gentleman be a lady like chivalry is not dead like have some common sense yes ma'am no ma'am treat others how you want to be treated. You know, I think the only thing I differ on is my God loves everybody. So <laughs> I think if, if he is the creator of all things, he definitely created aliens. Well, this one thing that was so cute. Everybody knows I love my gays. There was like a sign and I got hate for it. Of course I did. I posted it on Instagram one time and it was like gay pride or something. And they had a, they had a sign that said, if God hates gays so much, then why are we so cute? And I was like, that's so cute. <laughs> you're a good person and you're helping people. To me, I think that has to count for something. Absolutely. There was actually a post you made like years ago, girl, like a long time ago. And it was with one of your friends. And I can't believe I'm blanking out on his name right now, but he's a choreographer as well. Fun. Yes. And you had made a post like, oh, I just, I love my gay friend. And I remember people going on there being like, why does he have to be gay? Why are you calling him gay? And I remember just even his response was like, because I am like funny though too because I've got a girlfriend that's lesbian right but we don't talk about her being lesbian because she's just a mom and she just kind of that's not like that's not something she walks around Glenn very happy to be gay we'll talk about it we'll tell everybody we'll wear rainbows like he's about it so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he was like put I love my gay friend you know so you vibe with people and whatever their vibe is you just go with that you know so if he was offended by it I'm sure he would have told me <laughs> yeah and he was and we're talking like 10 plus years ago like it was a really long time but I do want to also say like going back to admiring how you take the power back and again you handle things with grace something I want to do with you is for selfish reasons of course I want to relive that 
17, 18 year old me that went to the store and bought your CD. I did want you go to, to an FYE? I did. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I want to read you some lines from some songs on Undiscovered and see if yeah. you can remember them. Oh yeah. Are you ready? I'm not karaoke, but I might be, I might be okay at this. Yeah, go for it. Awesome. And by the way, this, just a heads up, this is just the first activity. I have a second one that's going to be hilarious, but I'll tell you about that one later. Okay. <laughs> and okay. I won't be too long, so we'll be good. Hey, take your time. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. This is like a therapy session. <laughs> Same. All right. The first one is don't be shy. Just be cool. No pressure. Let it do what it do. That was from uh, don't be shy. Just be cool. No pressure. Let it do what it do. Yeah, MySpace. Yes. Yeah. MySpace. Amazing. The second one is I had to get back, sit back. Then we had a chit chat. That's the song I thought the first lyrics were from. That's um. Then we had a chit chat. Back of the club. We incognito. We be living it up. Incognito. No. Yes. Gave me loving for a day and never gave it again. Now I'm standing outside of your door going knock, 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 knock. One-sided love. Yes, 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 yes. Swerving in my E-class sunroof popped with my stunner shades on because the haters won't stop. About us, but what version? Like the pop version or something? Like not the crossover <laughs> remix? Yeah. I never knew, honestly, that was the one thing was that got confusing because it was like, are you going to have a rapper on your performance today or not? Is it going to be because sometimes Stax would take the place of Paul uh, if Paul couldn't make it. And we had all these different versions of About Us and some were shorter because they had to be just like no dance break. So that song became so complicated because there were so many different versions. I was like, which one am I doing? So I would have to have my sound guy, Jay, put his voice in my ears and he'd have to record over the track that was in my ear. And he was like, this is the... E41. This is the Stunner Shades one. This is the E-Class one. So it's hilarious you say that because that's the reason why, even though that was like the easiest one, right? Like that was like the first single off of that album. But that's why I put it on there because there were so many versions, even on YouTube, Spotify now that I'm like, mm -hmm. let's see if she'll even get this part. <laughs> I will say I actually had to record a different, like actually go record different vocals for the house dance mix. I forgot who the DJ was. They told me at the time he was like one of the biggest DJs for all the gay clubs and like making all the remixes and stuff for that. I was very excited we went to his house and that was a really cool experience because he did stuff like with my voice on the computer it was like kind of the first time I had seen like neat things like done where they can drag your voice certain places so that was a cool little experience too that is so awesome let's say today VH1 makes this huge comeback right and they're like hey we've already done Brooke knows best we've done this but now we want to go the interior route what would your interior designer show be called you know well I'd probably call it Brooke knows Nashville but we do some houses in Florida but the majority of the business that we have is Nashville based it's so crazy too because we have been approached by a lot of different production companies to do a show. Obviously, they're like, oh, it'd be great. And you get all these different things like HGTV, you know, branding wise, they are demo, 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 renovation, knocking down walls. That's what they absolutely have to have. And it's just like, for some reason, what we have, I guess, doesn't work for them. That's what I've been told, at least. A lot of networks, so I've been told, are just changing executives and changing direction. And it's just such a messy area right now with streaming and with old school like television shows. I think we're good enough to be on TV again, but I don't know if people would really get it. It's like, there's a lot of meat on the bone. I mean, it's insane. Ashley is just as funny as she ever was. If, honestly, I can't believe we didn't put her more on Brooke Knows Best because she's so funny. But, you know, it's like, it's crazy because it is nostalgia already as it is like Ashley's with me we've got some but we're in Nashville so it's like 
kind of with like Southern boys, like cute Southern boys that are like doing drywall for us and hanging chandeliers and stuff. But the neat thing that I thought would be so cool is we do these huge houses in like a week, right? Because people want the quick turnaround, which don't ask me why I put that pressure on myself. I love, you know, giving myself panic attacks, obviously, but we do these really outrageous themed houses. So like we did a Playboy Mansion house and we did a 90s hip hop house and just when people have these crazy ideas, they come to us, but apparently we have to be covered in sawdust to make it on TV now. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's cool though, because Nashville is, um, I will say no TV show that's been done in Nashville, including the show Nashville, has really captured what Nashville is. And it's like you get people from New York and LA coming in there trying to create a Hills version of Nashville or, you know, and it's like they're just missing what is so magical about that town so i tell people like when people have been like oh we might want to do a show with you or whatever i'm like you have to come here for a couple months like you really have to dive in it's like miami beach when we first went there to film the show it was before the kardashians came down there and honestly it was kind of after like the drug cartels and the 80s and stuff like that so miami beach was kind of just not that busy it was quiet it was a cool little town with like you know, great little restaurants. You could ride your scooter, your bike everywhere. I mean, Miami was my, whew, that was my heyday. I loved it there. And I'm telling you, it was like, we were doing the second season, I think of um, Brooke Knows Best. And I was walking down Lincoln Road. We never had paparazzi there either. And all of a sudden there were a ton of paparazzi. And I was like, I, it's one thing I hate. Do not take pictures of me because I'm five foot 10 and I could be the most in shape I could ever possibly be. And my thighs are still going to be bigger than a five foot two, you know, Kardashian. So, but the paparazzi were there because the Kardashians came down and it was like, oh my God, don't leave your house. They're swarming the beach. And then it was like, the beach just blew up. Now you can't really go to Miami. Same thing happened in Nashville, quiet little town, whatever. And then it's like, everybody finds out about this place and then it gets swarmed. So like, can I just move to a small town and just let it stay that way? We're just going to pretend we are in the middle of shooting this interior design TV show. And <laughs> I'm going to set the scene for you. Mo and Brooke walk into this house. How does Brooke politely tell Mo, oh, you need my help? <laughs> um, well, I have told clients, just sell it. Just sell it. I know you just bought it. Sell it. You'll make money on it. Because I one time walked into a house with a client. Actually, he was out of state. So I had to just go walk it and do the blue tape for him. And when I'm talking blue tape, I mean blue. Like somebody painted, it was a brand new house. What's pop? Sorry, my eyelashes driving me crazy. I've got my little eyelash extensions, but they're old and they're starting to fall off. And now one's like clinging. And I'm like, but I walked into this house for him and I was FaceTiming him. He lived in Utah. And I said, all right, you know, I can go see it. And you pretty much know what you're going to get in Nashville because all these Airbnbs, now it's gone from being a room to being all these houses are four bedroom, four bath. 2,500 square feet, hot tub on the roof, game room garage, like these really cool, they take these gigantic brand new houses and they're cookie cutter. Every single house is the same. So it's hard to make them look different. But I walked into this house and I am not kidding you. They painted every baseboard, every handrail, every door, every shelf, everything in this house was Smurf blue. And if you know anything about paint or whatever, I mean, that's thousands of dollars in paint to just even try to undo it. And I'm like, I don't even know. I've done so many different styles of houses. That's the difference of what I do is like most interior designers go to school for it. I'm like how I'm like an Imagineer at Disney. How do I make this look like Alice in Wonderland? How do I make this look like the Playboy Mansion? So I'm trying to think, is there any theme where blue baseboards and everything blue works? Like 
do you want a smurf house? It was like, I told him, I said, you know, and I'm a realtor in, in Florida too. So I kind of have my heartbeat on just, you know, being in Nashville. I should have gotten it in Nashville, but you pay attention to real estate too. I'm like, the market's going up. It's a desirable neighborhood, sell it and let's find you something good. And he sold it and he made 60 grand on it. He owned it for about a week. That's, that's amazing. So then he ended up buying a great house with an elevator and glass ceiling and whatever. And we did the Playboy house for him. But that was so yeah, if a house is bad, I will not just take your money and decorate it. I'm going to be like, and eh, we need to get out of here, burn it down. <laughs> that's amazing. What advice would you give anyone who's wanting to start a business with their best friend? You know, what's funny. I didn't start my business with Ashley. Ashley came in and saved my business. That's the I truth. I love it. I am just, and I'm not trying to talk nicely about myself. I'm just too nice. And I think that's just being raised a people pleaser. I'm just too nice. So when I started my business, people wanted it for cheaper and I couldn't say no, even though I knew it was going to cost more to do their house. I put my whole commission into it. I would end up losing money and I just, it was successful. People love my work, but I was afraid to ask for what I needed and what I deserved. And Ashley really cool fun fact about her i mean she's the ultimate badass seriously like i've known her since i was five but she's just incredible with what she's she's done with her life after brooke knows best she went to new york went to fit and she worked as head of merchandising and uh like she did like all the windows for north america and canada and she would create the books for like if you walked into an armani store like if there's white shirts and beige shirts into black and then like how the mannequins were done and then she'd send that off to all the other stores that followed she was head of merchandising and something I always forget. She's like, how do you forget this all the time? But big badass job at Armani in New York for 10 years. And she was just at this point in her life where she was like, I want to have kids. I want to find my husband. We're both from Florida. I don't really want to, you know, stay in New York. My family's not here. She's like, I might go to LA. I'm like, don't go to LA. Just wait. You know, if you're a Florida girl, just wait on LA just for a second. And she's like, well, then it would be like Atlanta or something. I said, great. Like Atlanta. That's a great spot. Love it. Recorded music there awesome city and what's awesome is atlanta is three hours away from nashville i didn't even like i wasn't even giving her that advice hoping that she'd help me but i was telling her i said i'm just gonna have to shut it down i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know if i should go back to music i don't have any opportunities to do tv right now i don't really want to be famous anymore like i was actually waiting tables also at the time and kind of like balancing the two and side note waiting tables makes you a lot of money I don't know. Be careful, everybody. If you're mean to your waiter, they might make more than you do. She was like, let me just come down and help you with the, because I had taken on six houses at the same time and I had gotten COVID in between. And she was like, let me just come down and help you. Biatch didn't even get COVID. She was like, come into my room. She's like, hey, can I help you? I'm like, go away. Like, what's wrong with you? Stay away from me. I'm diseased. But she came in, helped me finish these houses. She looked over all my books. She was like, Brooke, you can make money, but you just have people that are greedy. You're nice and everything, but you're paying them way too much. Like, people would be happy to work for this amount, you know, and that would still be generous. So she kind of re-geared everything. And she's a little bit of that badass where she says, no, it's a slippery slope. I started my business with nobody knowing who I was and all my clients being out of state. So they were like, oh, Brooke Vallejo, right? But you give it a Google or one realtor says, oh, my friend Brooke Hogan decorates houses. And then now it's known, you know, but I flew under the radar for a long time. But it's like when people find out, it's like they love it when they walk in. And then three months later, they're like, wait, we hate everything. And it's like, you just really want to get your money back or, you know, you got to be careful that people don't just for the fun of it, just who you are, they come after you. So Ashley's a really good bodyguard. She's really good at being like, Nope, we don't do that. Nope. Her other thing is she's like, if you're broke, just say it. Like we're not, you're not our client. Like, 
Ashley, geez, easy. But she's, you know, she means it as a joke, but she's funny. No, but I love that because I feel like the biggest take I'm taking from this is to like, so my partner and I, we used to be in business together. Everyone would ask us like, what's the secret sauce? Honestly, being able to admit what you're not good at and what the mm-hmm. other person brings to the table. Once you're able to recognize what is the badass things that your partner brings to the table? That's when things really do start to work out. Like I remember even that with my partner now, like there's so much that he's so good at. Why would I even try to be good at that? You know? Yeah. So I call Ashley on the guest boss, whatever you say, boss. Cause she's just, she knows, man. I make things based off of like emotions and feelings and like, you know, I just really want this house to be better. So I'm going to put three more grand into it of my own money. She's like, no, that's why I'm here. We're not putting any more into it. You've already done enough. Like it looks beautiful. Stop. (laughs) You know, she's kind of like mom. I love it. One thing I want to do with you, Brooke, is I wanted to, again, make this a very memorable experience for you. Especially, it is already. I love this. Oh, thank you so much. Especially, you know, because we know what the media has done to you in the past and how interviews can be uncomfortable. They can be a little bit weird. And I really also want to keep showcasing that coming on to my platform, even though it's nowhere near as big as yours, it's still a place where we can just shoot the shit, have fun and unshut means open. And it's not like, tell me about this song and tell it's just, let's just have fun. right? So something I'm going to do with you is I had set these little scenarios in a random thing on Google. I hit shuffle and where they placed. And basically the way I want to end the interview with you today is I'm going to give you a scenario We're going to act out that scenario, but the goal is for you to basically hang up on me. So, oh my God, I don't know if I can do that. I'm too nice. I don't know. There's been times where my husband's been on the phone with somebody and like they're acting a fool on the phone. I'm like, hang up the phone, hang up. I can be like mean for other people, but I can't be for myself. (laughs) I love it. And it's so funny too, because I've never done any sort of theater. I've never even tried acting anything out. And so my partner was just like, that sounds like fun. Are you sure you're up for it? I'm like, listen, I'm literally like, like, it's like if Brooke Hogan and I were best friends in 2006, we would have had a little camera recorder and we would have been doing these little things. So the same way I used to do with my cousin, I'm like, I'm reliving that. So I love that. um, Yeah. All right. I'll follow your lead, whatever you want to do. scenario is I'm going to call you and confront you about the fact that I just found out my boyfriend is not gay and you've been hooking up with him. He might be gay. I have just <laughs> <laughs> He might be gay. <laughs> my husband is laughing so hard. It's like the joke that Brooke's like, you really do love your gays. Like you date them. I'm like, I don't mean to. <laughs> You're like, that was never part of the plan. I really fell hard. so well. I can't help it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Brooke, so much for being here today. It's been an honor being able to talk with you. Mo, you've been awesome. And I wish you a lot of luck with this podcast. I'm sure everybody's going to catch on real quick because it's just such good vibes. And I like seeing good people win. That means everything to me. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, Just kidding. (laughs) 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 That's how I hang up on you. And I said I wasn't going to cuss. <laughs> Dang it. I love it. Brooke, that was amazing. I'd be like, uh, excuse me, let's go take him down right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just started saying I wasn't going to say the F word. It's my favorite word. And I'm trying so hard not to say it anymore. But the role called for it. Your husband's like, oh, my goodness, that potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I get it from him. He's a hockey player. That's true. <laughs> so funny because he's like Michigan, too. So he sounds Canadian. He's like, oh, hey, yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking right. And I'm like, sounds so nice. That's amazing.
Not nice. <laughs> You're like, I do it and it's like the world is over. You do it and it's like, fucking hot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for playing along. And I had the time of my life with you. Hey, I think you've got some acting chops too. I think you're uh, I think you're on your way. <laughs> well, listen, when I receive my Emmy, I'll make sure you're there. I'll make sure your husband's there and Love we'll it. all say our thank yous together. Nice. Well, hey, keep your eye out for new music. I'm releasing some now, but the pop stuff is going to be next. And uh, I just really appreciate the time. And yeah, let's do this again soon. I can't wait. And I love Boomer and congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, we'll see what's next. Maybe I'll send you a couple uh, sneak peeks of the stuff coming up. Hell yes, I would be the happiest. And thanks to your husband for the setup. The white looks great. Oh, yes. He's sitting here happy as a clam. He did a good job. So, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Give him a big hug for me. Congrats to you both. Thank you so much. Bye, Mo. Bye, Brooke. What's up? Hey, Brooke, soon to be ex-best friend. Is there anything you want to tell me? Um, no. Are you sure? Because I just saw a picture of you and Joshua. And are you sure that's not ringing a bell? Joshua is like, we're cool. I mean, he's been kind of like hitting me up a little bit and like there's been vibes, but like, why does that matter to you? Well, first of all, he's my boyfriend, Brooke. Let's not forget that. So you're just going to kiss him in public? Hold on. You guys... Always act like you're just best friends whenever we go out. I thought that was legit. You're dating him? We're totally dating, Brooke. What did you think? Well, I think we need to probably devise a plan to go over to Joshua's house and take him down together. He's being a bitch. Actually, that sounds like a really good plan. Let's fucking do it. What are you doing yeah, right okay. now? Well, fuck it. I'm coming over right now. Bye. Hey, if you've made it this far, don't forget to follow the socials on the screen or in the description below. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel. See you next week.